This church is blessed with kids. You know, I found out that uh, children are a, um, a blessing from God by experience. Um, our four sons and now just um, just have had our seventh grandchild. And um, they're a blessing. I can tell you they're a blessing. Thank you, Clay, for this opportunity to speak. I'm excited to share with you. you know, I got excited when, when Clay told me that he was going to do a series on family and parenting. And, and I thought, you know, the, the family is under attack. Parenting is under attack. These children are under attack. And um, they're a blessing to us. But there's so many things that come against them, come against us, come against us even as grandparents on a daily basis that we, um, I think the church as a whole, not, I'm not talking about just necessarily City of Hope Church, I'm talking about the church, needs to be more supportive and find ways to be more supportive to the family, to parenting. We as a whole need to do that. And I thank you, Clay, for even um, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit to do a series on parenting. And, um, you know, I think uh, we've been parents for uh, maybe 30, since 1986. So that's a few years. I don't know how many years, 35, something like that maybe. But um, I feel, still feel like I, 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 don't, I don't know I don't have all the answers. I know that we've made a lot of mistakes, but um, just one word of advice. Um, if you're not married and you're in the sanctuary today, then you should find a good Christian husband or wife and have some kids. <laughs> because I can tell you, it's the greatest blessing that you'll ever have. You know, we're always looking for God's blessings. We're always looking for the, the next way that God can pour out a blessing on us. Um, you know, sometimes you have people that are, that are married that don't have children. Have some kids. If you want a blessing, have some kids. If you can't physically or biologically have children, adopt a child. There's so many children out there that need a good home, a loving home, a Christian home, someone to give them some love. We have one adopted grandson from East Africa, and he's a blessing to our family. He has been since the day he came. But um, we've not always been perfect parents. Debbie, can you stand up so you can see everybody? See, this is my wife of of 40 years. Well, almost 40 years. Um, Next month will be 40 years. I always look for that head nod to make sure that I'm right, exactly. Um, I've missed it a few times, and that doesn't go over well. Um, but we've not always been the perfect parents. We've not always made all the right decisions. But, and we, you know what? We've not had all the answers every time. There's been a lot of times that we've not had the, the answer to the question that we had raising children. And I can tell you that it's a, it's a challenging time to raise children, but that does not dissolve the fact that they're a blessing. Uh, you know, one of my biggest faults was always, um, I was always reluctant to ask anybody for advice. Can I encourage you today to don't be ashamed or embarrassed or reluctant to ask for advice? Um, I thought it would send a bad message that I was a bad or weak parent. Even the fact that I would be asking for advice would send a message to someone maybe that that I already been making mistakes. So, you, like us, will look back someday and you'll realize that you did make some mistakes. Uh, maybe you corrected too harshly or took some situations too seriously. The other day, about two weeks ago, one of my kids, 
I won't tell which one it is. One of my sons sent me a text on my phone. Um, I don't know if they have the PowerPoint going or not. Do they have the PowerPoint going? They got it? Yeah. Seven-year-old me switched on the car light for one second. <laughs> and that was my reaction. You know, sometimes we can be just a little too serious, you know. It's not the end of the world when there's some things going on. I remember one time um, one of the boys, I won't tell which one, got detention, They also known as the Hill at the school that they went to. And um, I had to go to school for a meeting with the principal. And you actually, to tell the truth right now, I can't remember what it was. That's how, that's how big of a deal it was. I can't remember what it was. So um, in an effort to make it as memorable as possible, you know, I wanted to make this an experience that he would remember from now on. I went to school with him the next day when he was to report to the hill. And from the parking lot, I walked him all the way up to the hill in front of all the other kids, all of his other peers, all of his friends. So really the only thing that I accomplished that day was a lot of kids being thankful that I wasn't their dad. <laughs> Way too serious. Way too serious. And, and um, so many children in the church... I just think it's like, a, like the children of Israel leaving um, Egypt as these kids all go out of here every Sunday morning. It just brings such joy to my heart. Such joy to my heart that you as parents have your children here in God's house. They're learning the ways of God. They're learning about the Word of God. Because it's something that's going to take them all the way through life. Through the thick and the thin, through the bad and the good. That's what's going to keep them. You have concerns, and you want to give your child the best. Don't we always, all of us want to give our child the best? We all want to give our child the best, and you want to make all the right decisions, and you want to be doing all the right things, even right now. But you know, God has given us a plan. And I can tell you something, that if you're parenting today, you'll be parenting for the rest of your life. You'll never get away from parenting once you have children. One thing I did learn early on in raising kids is that it requires intentionality. If you've ever heard me speak before, intentionality is always one of the main themes of whatever subject I'm speaking on because I think we have to be consistently intentional. We as parents don't have time for many breaks. We don't have time as parents to lose focus. And I'm sure you've heard it said before to the point that it, it may even sound kind of repetitive or corny. They'll be driving, they'll be graduating, they'll be getting married before you can turn around. I'm a witness to that. Before you can turn around, they'll be raised. Me and Landon went to New York a few years ago. He was turning 13, and I think we were going to a Yankees game, and we got on the subway and traveled for quite some time, and we kept waiting for them to announce our stop. And finally, they announced that we'd arrived at the last stop. So we figured, well, this must be it. So we got off the subway, and we seen a sign as we got off that said we were in Queens, about 17 miles from the Yankee Stadium. <laughs> you know, I'd obviously failed to do my homework. I'd obviously failed to do the required homework to be able to make sure that we arrived at the right place at the right time. Instead of arriving where our intentions were to arrive, 
I ended up taking my son to a compromised place. It's not by mistake when you end up arriving at the place that you intended. You end up arriving there because you had intentionality. And James 1 and 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all, liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. New King James Version. But now the, tra- the, the Passion Translation says it like this. It says, If anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom, and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. Thank God for his grace. Because as parents, we need his grace. One word of wisdom that I can offer over our 35 years of parenting is remember this one thing. If you don't remember anything else I say this morning, husbands and wives... You're on the same team. You're on the same team. And I think that may sound, you know, just a little odd. But sometimes we forget that we're both striving for the same goal, even when we have difference of opinions. You're on the same team. Wives, you and your husbands are on the same team. Husbands, you and your wives are on the same team. You're striving for the same goal. And you've probably heard the, the message preached on grace and truth. The message simply says that grace cannot stay where truth is not welcome. See, we have to have a good balance of grace and truth, even in our marriages and raising our children. And truth without grace will kill you. God has a perfect design, though. One parent, and it can be either one. You you may find one parent is, is just overbound with grace. And then one parent is just overbound with truth. But when you put the two together, see, God kind of designed us in a way that we're attracted to opposites. So what happens is an introvert will marry an extrovert. Someone full of grace will marry someone that's full of truth. But when you put the two together by God's design, it works perfectly. That's his plan. And you know, we fall out with, I can remember so many discussions and so many heated discussions over the years where Debbie and I did not agree on a decision. But it was because one of us was heavy on grace and one of us was heavy on truth. But when you put the two together, it's a perfect, so be be sensitive to that. Maybe your wife has more grace. And I think, to be honest with you, I think it, it, it even goes along with sons and daughters. You know, a dad will be far more gracious to his daughter than he will his son. And a mother likewise, the other way. But by God's design, too much grace, you excuse every kind of behavior. And too much truth became, becomes legalism, too many rules. But out of balance... Just like any structures in danger of danger of collapsing. But keeping this in balance, you're able to build on the structure of family. According to God's design in the area of grace and truth. Now God has a blueprint. And we have that blueprint ourselves that God has left to us. Designed by the Father. But he had a perfect, it's a perfect blueprint. And as a result of God's blueprint, he connects with his son, Jesus. Now, how many want to connect with their kids? 
I want to connect with my kids. And as a result of God's blueprint, God connected with Jesus. And as a result of that connection, Jesus connected with others. His relationship with His Son. We can use His blueprint as God's example for us as parents and our relationship with our children. We can connect with our children. God keeping in the center. We're in a generation, I think, right now that people are not connected with their kids. You see so many kids just going wayward, going different directions and searching for all these things out in the world. But God has a plan. He's got a blueprint. Your children will connect with others when they connect with you. Isn't that what you want? You want them to be able to connect with people? You want them to be able to talk to anybody? It doesn't matter what level of life that they're living in. The rich, the poor. The educated, the uneducated. I want them to be able to talk to anyone on a level that shows grace and truth. We all came into the world as children. And there's some things that children need. That could only come from mom and dad. Isn't that amazing? Things that will prove valuable to our children for a lifetime. And there are two times in the Bible that God spoke out to the people about his son. At baptism and then on the Mount of Transfiguration. At baptism, Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17 says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized of you when you are coming to me. And Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it now to be so, for this it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So then he allowed him. And when he had baptized Jesus, it came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly the voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The message in that scripture says, And along with the Spirit, a voice, This is my Son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus took Peter and John and, and James up by themselves. In Mark chapter 9, verse 7, and he said, And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. And the message again, it says, Just then a, a light radiant cloud enveloped them, and from deep in the cloud a voice, This is my Son, marked by my love. Listen to him. So God spoke these two times in the presence of, of others on behalf of his son to affirm his son, Jesus. And that's something that every child needs from their parent is affirmation. That's something that every child needs from their parent is affirmation. That's when Jesus heard from his father at baptism. He said, you belong. He said, this is my, my son. Whose son is it? It's God's son. This is my son. You are loved. You're marked by my love. And you're special. You're the delight of my life. And again on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my son. See, Jesus knew when he said, this is my son, he knew that he belonged. In Mount Transfiguration, he said, he is marked by my love. Jesus knew that he was loved. And he said, listen to him because he has something special to say. Jesus knew that he was special. If you want to change your child's life, 
if you want to give them what they need from the very beginning. Now, you're competing with the world for your children. Give them the strength, the courage, the comfort, the affirmation that they need. When you give, let them know that they belong. When you let them know that they're loved. When you let them know that they're special. That gives them confidence. And confidence is what they'll need to get through this life because the relationship with God that had with his son Jesus, confidence. That's what Jesus got that day was confidence. Not only in themselves, but confidence in God. Jesus shows amazing confidence because he knew who he was. Jesus knew where he came from. Jesus knew where he was going. And he knew where he belonged. He knew he was loved. He knew that he was special to the Father. At the Passover, right before Jesus left this earth, in John 13, 1 through 5, listen to the passage. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's brother, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, and that he had come from the Father, and he was going to God, rose from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he had girded. Jesus knew that his hour had come. This was the most trying hour of Jesus' time on earth. He knew that his hour had come. He was able to face the greatest difficulty of his life because he knew without the shadow of doubt that he belonged to the Father, that he was loved by the Father, that he was special to the Father. So in the middle of his most difficult time, in the most trying hour, he was able to serve. You know, I think one of the greatest things that we can ever teach our children is to serve others. I think it's what Jesus wants for us to do is serve others. And when they have the confidence of knowing who they are in Him, when they have the confidence of knowing where they're going, when they have the confidence to know that they belong, that they're loved and they're special, they have no problem serving others. And that's what Jesus did that day. He knew where He was going. He knew where He came from. He knew that He belonged. He knew that He was loved. And He knew that He was special. So He took the towel and girded it about him, and he took it and he washed the disciples' feet. He served others. That's the confidence that is given when a child and a parent pours into a child. See, people grow into the conversations that you have around them. You belong. You're my son, God said. This is my son. You know, I was, um, years ago, maybe 14 years ago, we was um, at a missions conference. I went to hear Rick Clendenin at a missions conference. And um, he was one of the key speakers there. And I'd only made one trip to East Africa at that point. And um, after the first session in his missions conference, we had a meal. 
So, of course, whenever, whenever somebody like Rick Clendenin is sitting around, you want to get as close as you can get to that person so you can sit and maybe hear what they have to say, what they're going to talk about, and what their conversation is going to be. And, and so I got as, over as close as I could. Well, the seat next to him ended up empty, so he invited me to sit in that seat. So I sat there, you know, and I thought, wow, what a, what a privilege. I can actually be here and listen to everything that he's saying. The conversation, of course, went straight to the missions and the work that he was doing around the world. He'd been in 35 nations and traveled millions of miles in missions. And he'd been having some trouble with his health at that time. And um, he made it known in that conversation that day at the, at the table that he was looking for someone to help him with India. Because he wasn't able to travel to India. It's an excruciating trip to go to India if you've never been. And um, me and Debbie had been praying about and God had been dealing with us about how he wanted us to be more involved in missions. So, so um, I told Rick that day about how God was dealing with us. And he asked me straight up, he said, would you want to take over the India? And I said, without really knowing what it even entailed, I said, sure. Now, I'd never been to India. I'd never made contact with any of the students there. I didn't even know the CTC leaders there in India. Um, and the next evening at the missions conference, the church house was full of people, about like it is this morning here. Totally unexpected, Rick calls me and Debbie up out of the congregation. And he says, this is Alan and Debbie Bray. He said, they're part of my team. Now, I never belonged to anything like that before. I'd always wanted to in my heart. I just wanted so bad to belong to something like that, like someone who was making a difference around the world. But he said, they're part of my team. So I felt like I belonged. There are key point people for India. That day, something changed in me. Now, I know that Rick Clinton was not my dad. But can I tell you, there's people out there in the world that need to know they belong. There's people out there in the world that you meet on a day-to-day basis that need to know they're loved. That they need you to tell them some way, shape, or form that they're special. And God is going to put those people in front of you. You know why? Because you're a Christian. You're a representative of Jesus Christ. He's going to put those people in front of you that you can affirm that you're going to have the opportunity to make a difference in that person's life. I heard a story of an elderly man. He's passed away now. But his son tells a story of when he and his siblings were all small children. His dad would line them up on the living room sofa. And you know how kids love games. He had a game that he would play with them kids, and he would say, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. And they would go back and forth and back and forth. I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm yours, you're mine, you're mine, I'm yours. Children need to know that they belong. And I thought, I'm going to start lining my grandkids up. I want them grandkids to know that they belong, that they're loved. I want them to know that what we stand for is a family. We stand for the truth of God's Word. We stand for 
reaching out to people, for helping people, for ministering to people, to let people know that they're loved. We're dealing with an identity crisis in the world today, largely due to the fact that we have failed to affirm our children. They don't know who they are. I'm a Bray. My sons are all Bray. They got an identity from me because I'm a Bray. But your kids are out there and they're looking for, who's going to tell me who I am? But God has laid that in, in our hands, that we're able to do that. In some cases, we've not taken that opportunity that's been presented before us to affirm others when we had the opportunity. Children, people, adults, many adults, young men, young women need to know that they belong you're loved. It's no secret that um, hum human beings thrive on just being loved. We need each other. We need love. We need other people in our lives. We need contact with other people. Charles Dickinson called the prodigal story probably the finest story that is ever written. And I agree. It's one of the finest stories ever written. But I have to think about the father's love for his son. You know, the son had prepared a speech. When he was away from the Father, he prepared this speech and he had rehearsed it over and over and over again. So, this is the words I'm going to say when I get to my dad. Here's the words I'm going to say. He said, I will arise and go to my Father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. But we read right in the next passage. It says, and he arose and he came to his Father. Remember, he's rehearsing this all the way to see his Father. He's rehearsing it. Listen to what he says to his father. He says, And he arose and he came to his father, and when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. And he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. First off, at that point in time, grown men did not run. It was um, undignified for grown men to run. The father did not care. He didn't care. That was his son that he seen came in way off, and love for his son caused him to run in an undignified way to meet his son. The Bible says he ran. And the, usually the verb for kiss in the, New, in the New Testament is phileo. It's the kiss of greeting. But here in this instance, a more intensive form of kiss is used. The, the Greek word used here is kataphileo. It signifies a kiss that is backed by a great deal of emotion. The text actually literally says the father showered him with kisses. Have you ever took one of your kids and just kissed them all over the face? You know, over and over and over again? You're mine, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. I love you, I love you, I love you. Just kiss them all over their face. That's what the father did that day to the son. He showered him with kisses. Offered him compassion, forgiveness, acceptance, and restoration. It was the father's love, not the prodigal's efforts or his repentance that restored the relationship. Notice what happens to the son's speech. He said, Father, I have sinned against you and before heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but he never gets the words out, make me like one of your hired servants. He never gets those words out. He don't have time because the father gets to his, when he gets to that part of the speech, the father cuts him off and he starts shouting, Bring out the best robe and put on him. Put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. And that calf that's up in the barn, go and kill it. We're going to have a party. 
The son didn't even get to finish his speech because the father loved him so much. He didn't care about all those things. It was an unconditional love. And that's the father's example to us, to you and I today. Unconditional love. And then you are special. He is chosen. Listen to him is what God was saying. I believe one of the greatest ways you'll ever let your child know that you're special is to be there for them in the greatest moments of their life. Spend time with them. Being there in the most challenging moments. Doing things that sometimes you would not do otherwise. Sacrifice the things that sometimes you want in order to afford the things that they want. Parenting is a sacrifice. Sometimes of our time and our money and our efforts, recognize them at key moments in their life. Invite others to be there in the celebration with them. Jesus had no doubt that he was the apple of his father's eye. The prodigal son had no doubt that once he's been in the father's face, everything was going to be okay. Our children have to believe and know that they're special in our eyes. But they have to know for sure that they're also special in God's eyes. That God has a perfect purpose and a plan for their life. Because trusting the Heavenly Father is harder if you can't trust your earthly father. I want to say that again. Trusting the Heavenly Father is harder if you can't trust our, heaven, our earthly father. Sometimes we have to be the one that breaks the chains of generational deficiencies. Clay talked a little bit about that last week, and many of us have to break the chains. We're able. We're able to look at our children and say, you belong, you're mine. You're loved. I love you unconditionally. You're the apple of, of my eye. You're special. And I used to, I mean, I've always told myself that past generations just didn't do some of that most of the time. It was a different time. A different time completely. And they, parents just didn't do things like that. But maybe you didn't have that as a child. The security that you longed to have and knowing that you belonged, the comfort of being told that you're loved, the confidence that comes from knowing that you're special, that I can tell you that your children are watching you. You may not know that they're watching you, but your children are watching you. That little bundle of innocence that you brought home from the hospital, that you want to make all the right decisions concerning, and you don't want to make any mistakes with, they're watching you. Even though we can't go back and begin again, we can start now and make a brand new end. That's because of God's grace. Even though we can't go back and begin again, we can start now and make a brand new end. Mark Twain said, I spent a large sum of money to trace my family tree. And then I spent twice as much trying to keep it a secret. <laughs> We're not always proud of everything behind us, but we can do better going forward in Christ. When Christ is the center of our family. So God the Father does all these for us. He wants all these for us. He does every bit of this for us in his word. He lets us know that we belong. He lets us know that we're loved. And he lets us know that we're special. He wants us to have that sense of belonging. In 1 John 3 and 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. He calls us his children. We mess up our lives He's willing to accept us back. Maybe you've messed up your life a lot. Disappointed yourself. Disappointed others. Even disappointed God. And maybe you're thinking, 
You don't know me. You don't know what I think. You don't know what I've done. I don't have to know because I know the Father. And God the Father loves you unconditionally right here and right now. Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 19 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Holy Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. That you can comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the the length, the depth, and the height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That we might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width. What is the width of God's love? He loves everyone around the world. He stretched his hands out on a tree. And he took us everyone in, in this whole world. He loved the entire world, everyone. He loves everyone, and that means you and I have to love everyone. Jesus' hands were stretched out for the whole world. The length of his love. What is the length of God's love? His love extends from eternity past to eternity future. His love existed before the foundations of the earth, and his love will exist even after the world ends. What is the depth of his love? His love addresses the deepest needs of the human heart. God loves sinners, no matter who they are. It don't matter what they've done or where they've been. That's the depth of God's love. What is the height of God's love that we can comprehend with the saints? The height of God's love. His love reaches to the very throne of God. Out of love, Jesus came down from heaven and lifts us up to to his level. Anyone who chooses to believe, because no no one can climb up to his level, he has to lift us up to that level. He wants to dwell there. He wants to be more than just merely live there in your heart. He wants to settle down. He wants to move in. He wants to take up residence. He wants to be at home. You know, it doesn't matter where you go or what a good trip you've had or travel you've had. It's always good to get home, isn't it? And that's how God wants to be with us. He wants to feel at home and He wants... You to know also just how special you are to him. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the Lord God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the pleasure of his will. We're special in his eyes. And our children are special in his eyes. God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't that what it's all about? I want my children and my children's children and generations of my family as far as they go. I want them to be in as far as time lasts. I want them to be in heaven with me. That's where I want them to be. And I just want to make sure they know Jesus. I want them to know they belong, and I want them to know they're loved. And they're special to me and to God. If we can give them Jesus, we've given them everything. And I heard this story just this week, and I wanted to 
share it with you. Years ago, there was a wealthy man, wealth like you and I couldn't even imagine, who had passion for art collecting. With his son, the two of them traveled around the world and adding only the best works of art to their collection. Pieces by Monet and Van Gogh and Picasso adorned the walls of the family estate. He was so proud. The dad beamed with pride as he watched his son take on a similar love for art. Then World War II hit and the son was called away to go and fight for his nation. So off to war he marched. The father waited on pins and needles awaiting and hoping to get good news. Then he sets a, gets a telegram telling him that his only son has been killed in action. But it was while he was rescuing a fellow soldier. The faces, the father faces the up-and-coming Christmas season alone. The paintings on the wall only remind him of his grief and that his boy will not be coming home. Christmas morning rolls around and there's a faint lock on the knock on the door. When he opens the door to his surprise, there's a young soldier dressed in military attire from his head to his toes. The young man says, I'm sorry to bother you, sir, on Christmas, but I fought with your son and I knew him. As a matter of fact, I'm the one he rescued before he lost his life. And I have a gift I'd like to present to you, if you don't mind. The dad overcome with joy, he says, sure, come on in. He welcomed him into his home and sat him down at his dining room table. And the young man said, sir, before the war, I was an artist. I was a painter. And I painted something here for you. Now, it's no, no, no work of an artistic genius by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought you would appreciate it. And he pushed the package across the table. The dad tore the brown paper wrap to reveal a portrait of his son in striking detail. The dad was so overcome with emotion that he thanked the young soldier and that he took down countless works of art throughout the house worth millions of dollars from the walls. And he hung the singular portrait of his son above the mantle so that everyone that came into his house would know just how important his son was to him. Years passed and the father passed away and there was to be an auction of all his countless works of art. So museums and sent representatives and galleries and art enthusiasts from around the world and the world congregated and from around the world they congregated the family estate. The auctioneer to everyone's surprise, took the portrait of this man's son and put it on the easel and asked for an opening bid. The room went quiet. People began to laugh. Finally, someone said what everyone was thinking. Hey, we didn't travel from halfway around the world to bid on some useless picture of a guy's son. Can we get on with it? But the auctioneer waited patiently. And then there was a voice from the back of the room. I'm the family gardener here at this state, and I have nothing to offer you other than I'll take good care of the portrait because I knew the dad and I knew the boy. The auctioneer smiled. He said, sold to the man in the back of the room. The gardener with old tattered overalls came, from, came forward with dirt under his fingernails, and the people laughed because they were dressed much better and had more. And as he took hold of the painting on the easel, the auctioneer raised the gavel a second time and dropped it and announced that the auction was now over. Stun and disbelief filled the room. Finally, someone shouted, how can this be? There's millions of dollars of artwork still left here. The auctioneer said, oh, it's quite simple. 
according to the will of the Father. Whoever takes the Son takes it all. What's true of this painting, this story this morning, is the same thing. It's far more true than when it comes to Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and my righteousness and all these things, the best things, will be added to you. If you really want your children to feel like they belong, like they're loved, like they're special, give them Jesus. Parenting isn't for the faint of heart. It comes with a load of responsibility. We're dealing with the precious souls of our own sons and daughters. Trusting the Heavenly Father is harder if we can't trust our earthly father. But I'm here to tell you today that if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, He wants to call you His own. He wants you to know that you're loved. And He wants you to know that you're so special in His eyes. And He has a divine purpose for you in your life. Let's pray. Oh, fathers, we come before you this morning. We just thank you for your love. We thank you for the gift of your son. That you sent that that we could have life eternal, that we could have salvation. We thank you for the blessing of our children and our grandchildren. Oh, what a blessing they are, Lord, to us. And if it weren't for them, Father, could we really say that our life was that blessed? I'm thankful this morning, Father, for my children, my grandchildren. And I thank you for the blessing they brought to my life and my home. Father, help us to be good representatives of you. Help us to let them know that they belong, that they're loved, that they're special. And as we travel this road through life, when we see one by the wayside, Father, that maybe they don't know that they're loved. Maybe don't, they, they don't feel like they belong. And no one's ever told them they're special. Help us to stop. Be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and reach out to that one. That they could feel your love. That they could feel your acceptance. Father, help us to go out today and represent you well in everything that we do and every word that we say. And we'll continue to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray.